Hello listeners and welcome back to another episode of the Plus Dave podcast, the Tottenham Hotspur theme show that this week is brought to you by three very happy football fans, two of which support Spurs, one supports Leeds, one who has just seen his Leeds team beat Liverpool at Anfield in, I am given to understand, the first time in 21 years. And that is, of course, none other than our very own Leeds, Dave. Dave, welcome to the show. Of course, we've got our game against Liverpool coming up that we are going to talk about. So you've got an excellent position as our chief scout. Tell us all about how one goes about beating Liverpool. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm a happy boy. I mean, it makes a big difference when you win and it makes an even bigger difference when you win in the last minute at Anfield, which we haven't done for many, many years. I mean, um, Cree Somerville, who scored <laughs> our, our winner, turned 21 today. We're recording on Sunday, the day after. Oh, really? And the last time he we wasn't won, born, he wasn't born. Yeah. That's brilliant. The thing is, though, that 21 years sounds a hell of a lot worse than it is when you consider that for 15 of those years you weren't in the Premier League to play Liverpool. And when you actually think about the fact that in 2001, Leeds were really bloody good and Liverpool, well, actually, they were still pretty good, I guess, that season, but Leeds were... Well, we, we, had a few good, a, we had a few good wins in that period. But I think, if I'm right, just to, to counter your point, which is a valid one, Elia, I believe that this is only the 24th time ever, this is another great start, 24th time ever that we've got any points at Anfield. Jesus. Wow. I mean, our record is... Equally shocking, if not worse, I imagine. We hate going to Anfield. I remember one win there when we had Van der Vaart with, I think, a couple of lovely long shots from him. But generally, we're pretty shocking against Liverpool home and away. So I can relate. Well, Elio, I would give you a hard time for just jumping straight into the podcast without giving the opportunity to introduce you. But to be honest, I'm just happy <laughs> to hear you in slightly better spirits than last week. But you're doing okay. We were all a little bit worried about you last week. You seemed, <laughs> you seemed like you were on the edge. I owe you an easy edit after last time, don't I? Um, <laughs> I feel like I gave you a few too many to bleep out. I was a bit too um, rumbunctious. I was too rumbunctious <laughs> last week. And you too, were. Too, Very too rumbunctious. Too eager to vent my bile. But mm. uh, not to worry. Fickle as ever, I'm in a good mood Suddenly now because you lost we won. And you love football again, of course, uh, as we said, might be the case. We were well aware that this was a, a potential eventuality. And uh, I, I can't help feeling that it might be too much of a coincidence that the two times Dave doesn't show up for an episode, you just lose all decorum and control of your language, which is surprising. And I'd love to know Dave's secret, but I probably don't have time to get into that. Do swearing we? in front of Dave, it's like swearing in front of your dad. You don't you don't really <laughs> ever want to do that. So. Dave, how do you feel about that? Commanding that amount of respect from my peers. Yeah, I'm okay with it. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Dave, you mentioned a last minute winner which is obviously fantastic to see we of course also had a last minute winner for the second game running unfortunately the last one was ruled out by the powers that be this one this one oh god what have i done this one moving swiftly on was thankfully allowed to stand and it was a deserved winner we'd love to see us win games a little bit more comfortably but sometimes when spurs do this to us and we have to win in that kind of way it's just what football is all about and it is just a joy to watch isn't it so we're going to talk about the game against bournemouth away game two goals down 
coming back at the death to win it 3-2 with a winner from potentially our player of the moment Rodrigo Bentancur all that to come we're also going to talk about our two upcoming games we do have our Champions League finale in the group which is a crucial game we must not lose against Marseille away we obviously won the first game 2-0 at home and we're going to talk about our next opponents who apparently are very easy to beat because even Leeds can turn them over at home which is Liverpool sorry Dave cheap shot Liverpool and that is a home game that's going to be our next league game and really hard one to call so I am looking forward to it but let's get straight into the Bournemouth one first of all guys let's talk about it Elio let's come to you first going into the game obviously I know you were on the verge of giving up on football altogether after the last game but you probably weren't feeling much better at half time in this one were you it might actually be the worst performance of the season that first half. We were absolutely horrible to watch. Against Newcastle, up until we conceded, we were relatively good. Against Sporting, up until we conceded, we were relatively good. In this match, we were just absolutely horrible to watch. Mm. It was, it was. I think I said this in a message in the WhatsApp group. It was like the worst of Andre Villas Boas meets the worst of Jose Mourinho. That's how poor the football was. It was, yeah. it was absolutely passive, uncommittal, just clueless football. And mm. we deserve to be that goal down that we were going into halftime. Yeah, we've criticised the manager a fair amount recently, probably more than we usually do. Do you think there's some credit owed to him in terms of the way that we turned it around in the second half? Because unlike in previous games, he did make some changes. We did move things around a little bit and we looked significantly better and the result paid off. Credit you for being more proactive than he often is with substitutions for bringing on players that did improve our performance. It would have been very easy to bring on Dyer for Longley and put Dyer in his usual position, but he kept Longley at centre-centre-back and brought Dyer in at right centre-back where he actually looked pretty good going forward as well, actually, which was a kind of throwback to probably his best season under Pochettino when he played right centre-back mm. uh, to the side of Alderweireld. Yeah, that was interesting. Um, I mean, removing... Emerson, who cannot cross the ball for Perisic, who can cross the ball, seems a relatively kind of straightforward change to make. Removing Bissouma, who, God, what is this player we're watching compared to what we had before for Benton Core, who is arguably our best player at the moment. He brought on the good players for the not so good players. It's not rocket science. <laughs> But fair play, he did it. He wasn't stubbornly yeah. sticking to his guns. Maybe he's doing it on purpose, though. Maybe he's playing a rubbish starting team so that we can look terrible. And then he looks like a genius when he makes changes at halftime and we win. <laughs> Maybe we're not giving so him enough credit. He had to rotate because of what happened on Wednesday nights and because now the Marseille game is, in his words, a final. So mm. he went with the team that he thought could do the job. Yep. It wasn't doing the job. He brought in sort of the A-listers and they did do the job. It's, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, it's not rocket science, but credit where it's due 15 million a year earned speaking of a-listers dave talk to me about Kiefer moore the hope for wales in this winter's world cup old-fashioned number nine first goal was a really good move i thought what did you think because i mean you can see the goal you always want to look and blame people and decide who was at fault but i actually thought it was a nice move yeah i didn't really see anything wrong with the first goal from a spurs perspective i think the second goal to fast forward was I think there were issues there, but but I think but I think uh, but I think the first one was just a good goal, and sometimes teams score good goals, and yeah, like Elliot said, it was really compounding the performance of Tottenham over the forty-five minutes, and and it's probably no more yeah. or less, no more than you I deserve. do disagree on that first goal. Really? Who are you blaming? Yeah, I do disagree. On that first goal, I feel like, and he's going to get a hammering today and he deserves to get a hammering today. I actually stand mm. up for him quite a bit as well. But on that first goal, I just don't understand why you've got Kiefer Moore running from way beneath Sanchez and 
Sanchez is just getting sucked towards the ball constantly when the other mm. centre-backs actually have that part of the pitch covered. Sanchez moving closer to the ball doesn't in no way make the cross harder. It puts no pressure on the guy and he just leaves yeah. a runner who he's completely unaware of free to get yeah. in in Kiefer Moore. If Sanchez is aware and he's watching Kiefer Moore, Kiefer Moore's not unmarked in the box. Maybe he still scores because, well... He's a striker. He's meant to score goals. But yeah. Sanchez actually picking up the man means that there's not a spare guy in the box to cross to. So, yeah. so that's where I disagree with you. And listen, I'm, I hate, I don't want to be one of those fans who always blames every goal on defensive mistakes. And it was still a good move by Bournemouth. It was a good move yeah. and it was a good goal. But at the same time, you expect a guy who's been playing Premier League football since 2018 now to be a little bit more aware of Runners I in. think he was caught, wasn't he? He was caught between between what he wanted to do. He was stuck in no man's and, land, and, and I think it only compounded it that he did the kind of the slide, <laughs> the, the the blocking slide, and <laughs> yeah, stop the, the cross, the hail mary, miles yeah. away from the cross. <laughs> so, you know, if he blocked the cross, that would have looked really that would have looked like a really decent bit of defending because he was literally the guy in between the two guys, but he didn't, yeah. and it was miles away, and it just looked a bit naff. <laughs> it, it really, I just, I think. Well, ultimately, once again, go back to trying to praise the other side for a good goal. That is the purpose of a counter-attack, to pull the opposition team out of position, off guards. The little ball round the corner from, oh, the I flick. can't remember who yeah. it was, Solanke to the eventual crosser of the ball was a mm. really, really good, unexpected pass, which yeah. put our entire defence on the back foot. So counter-attacks are meant to bamboozle defences that's mm. what they did I just I can't help get the feeling that you replay that move 20 times in a row and Sanchez will make the same error of judgment every single time and and that's I think why I'm going a little bit studs up on him there obviously the way he was with the next goal didn't help help his case either I was gonna say he's gonna get a hammering on the second goal but should Emerson perhaps have been a little bit further back to help Sanchez out because he seemed to be kind of jogging back oh, on and, the first goal on the first yeah, goal absolutely. yeah because San- Sanchez I mean like, you could say Sanchez might have you know should have committed one way or the other and gone in a bit closer and stopped the cross but at the same time he was trying to cover two men and Emerson wasn't anywhere near where he should have been really Emerson wasn't anywhere near it, but at the same time, in our system, the wing-backs are high up on the pitch when we have the Mm. ball. Therefore, it's a bit much to expect them to also be right back to defend everything that comes in. That's why we have three centre-backs instead of two. So I will give him a bit of slack on that one, mainly because I'm going to give him none in the slightest on the (laughs) second goal, where a professional footballer should know to not try and kick that ball and actually use his head in Mm. the literal and the figurative sense of the words. (laughs) Dave, is there any defence for Emerson Royale in that goal? Because he was just absolutely dominated by a big old number nine jumping and getting his head on it. I mean, in the same way that the despairing block from Sanchez looked embarrassing, you know, it's it's always going to look embarrassing when you are not... You don't have a run-up and the, stri- the striker who's got three <laughs> inches on you does have a run-up and gets in front of you and powers it into the goal off the bar. Um, mm. I thought the best thing about it was the way that he took out Sanchez at the end of it. Did you see that? It, uh, literally, mm. Sanchez, I, I, I didn't even realise that people <laughs> fell down like that. It was almost like he felt like he was being fouled by <laughs> Kiefer Moore and decided, oh, maybe I can get a yeah. foul out of this and it's not a goal. Because he just it literally caught him on the foot and he just went like from vertical to horizontal immediately. It's quite impressive. Um, 
what a unit Kiefer Moore is as well. He's like bloody well, Anthony I Joshua. I talk too much about him. You, may, you might have noticed I only mentioned his name once because we are playing Bournemouth in the same way that you are playing Liverpool next. We're playing Bournemouth mm. next. So I don't want to... I'm going to keep my powder dry for that because I could see Kiefer Moore absolutely embarrassing mm. some of our defenders. Not to mention, Eric Dyer and some of his buddies might have to defend against him in the World Cup group in a few weeks' time as well because he yeah. is likely to be starting for Wales up front as their centre-forward alongside Mr Bale. So the that, thing that's is- where the big bulldozing number nine is so out of fashion and even Burnley didn't really have one I mean Ashley Barnes was a hard-working Kevin Davies type yeah, but he wasn't Wood. sort of he yeah Chris yeah. Wood is the only other one I can think of also ex-leads um so Chris Woods and and Kiefer Moore are the only two that type that I can really think of at the moment mm. it, it, even big strikers these days are playing more with their brain than with their bodies like Harry Kane. You don't really get the big bulldozer number nines that much anymore and therefore our defenders are far more kind of in tune with your tricky little forwards and your sort of off the ball movers and are almost more like sort of La Liga defenders these days mm. and a key for more will always catch him by surprise I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a classic, can't do it on a rainy night in rainy, <laughs> rainy Wednesday night. Because, because you know, ultimately <laughs> the definition of that really if you break into it is High balls into the box, big brutes bullying yeah. you, and see what you can do mm. with it. And yeah. and it's not surprising that you know the modern day centre back, if that's the right phrase for it, they don't see it mm. often, and therefore it becomes a problem. Honestly, I love that kind of striker. I always, always want and wish Spurs to have that kind of forward as sort of the plan B off the bench when we're just not getting sort of any change out of defence. Bring them on, push their line back as far as possible and and just get crosses in because mm. ultimately we're not Manchester City where the plan A will probably still work at some point, even if it's yeah. nil-nil in the 91st minute. We're, we're Spurs. And having that option off the bench is... I remember when we first signed Mido, and I'd never really seen that kind of striker at Spurs before. And in his first few games for us, Mido was an absolute bulldozer. And then he discovered the local kebab house, and that was it <laughs> for his Spurs career. And there's Elio's weekly fat-shaming episode. Continue. Well, yeah, he was the Ndombele of his day, wasn't he? But <laughs> it, was, it was so good to see. And obviously, being brought up by... But my dad was hearing all about sort of these absolutely dominant forwards. And mm. I, I've always liked it when Spurs have one, but we so rarely do. We, we think we're too good for that kind of thing, apparently. I'm getting flashbacks to 2019 and Lorente now all of a sudden. Bring him on as a plan B. <laughs> can do a lot worse. Um, well, that's the first half we've covered. Obviously, as you said, one of our worst performances of the season. And rightly so. I think a lot of people had all but given up hope at that stage. I saw one tweet, which I, I won't name because the guy probably won't like me naming him. But he said something on the lines of anyone who thinks we're making a comeback in this is deluded and needs to give their head a wobble and then of course that tweet has now got several thousand likes and shares obviously it would set himself up for that but uh, Elio in all honesty did you see us coming back into the game at that point or had you kind of mentally switched off and accepted defeat um I I did to the extent that we were playing away at Bournemouth Mm -hmm. we had good players on the bench we have players in the first team like Kane and Son that could get a goal out of nothing even when the chips are down so I, I kind not that I expected it, but I was still hopeful for it. But the problem is, I, I'd become very ambivalent towards the idea at that point anyway, because the brand of football that we've seen for 
the entire season harshly, but definitely the last kind of month since the Leicester win yeah. has just been so sort of dispiriting that yeah. I cared, but I didn't. I was like, okay, let's just get this over with so I can go about the rest of my weekend and try and find something less self-harmful than watching Spurs. <laughs> um, so yeah. yeah, I was really feeling flat at halftime. And even after our first goal, I, I didn't particularly change in my tone. It was only when we started stringing a few nice passes together, playing a few nice moves and actually playing with the bits of flair and with the handbrake off mm. that I began to think, oh, this is what football looks like. <laughs> Great. I like this. More, sir. Can I have seconds? Exactly. Well, uh, that's the thing, isn't it? The way we finished the game against Man United and indeed a few of our last few games, that is not the kind of fighting spirit you expect to see coming back and actually pulling out a 3-2 win the way we've been playing. So it was it was sort of alien, wasn't it? So it's nice to see that we've actually still got that in our locker. In fact, since the start of last season, Spurs have actually scored more 90 plus minute winners away from home than any other Premier League in fact they've scored four which is twice as many as anyone else which is pretty impressive stuff let's talk about how we did that because obviously we made some changes at halftime as we mentioned earlier Lucas comes on for Skip I believe which is an interesting one mm. although I have to say Skip was playing quite a lot down the right hand side in the game so it didn't change that much it was probably more a case of someone coming in to do the job a little bit more naturally but what do you think changed materially in terms of how we were playing from the beginning of the second half we had nothing to lose yeah. <laughs> I mean, we were 2 0 down against a newly promoted side who spent a fifth in the summer of what we spent. It was outright humiliation. So we, we had nothing to lose and we went for it. Yeah. Um, Luke, I was upset that Skip was the one hooked to not Basuma because mm. Basuma had been trash and Skip was one of the few semi bright spots in the first half. But. It was a tactical change, and I guess he kept experience on the pitch. Eventually, Basuma came off Benzincourt anyway, which yeah. is what really changed things in our favour. Um, yeah. Lucas came on. Yeah, he has a positive impact as well. The the fact that he can carry the ball a little bit and actually has semi-decent one-touch with the other players, so our attacks don't slow down too much. Uh, and this isn't yeah. t- to be cruel to skip in the slightest. Skip's a defensive midfielder. So Lucas impacted it in that way, and it helps us keep Bournemouth a bit on the back foot too. But I think it's somewhat owed to Bournemouth getting a bit cagey about protecting their leads as mm. much as anything else. I think they got they got the willies ever so slightly, and I think that worked in our favour a little bit. 2 0 was the most dangerous score in football, they say. I've always thought it's a silly statement, but sometimes it does prove to be true for exactly that reason. Let's talk about the first Spurs goal then. So, Sessignon. Dave, you noticed something about Sessignon's goal? Because uh, I must admit, it wasn't until today that I noticed this. Tell us what yeah, you Yeah, well, obviously, I'm already pre conditioned to think that Sessignon's mm. rubbish at football from the last <laughs> couple of podcasts uh, and Elio's tirades. So, I was obviously looking for anything that he could have done wrong in that goal, and it wasn't very difficult to see that. that <laughs> shot that he took took an absolutely enormous deflection off of the defender uh, to find mm. itself in the bottom corner. Now, obviously, we'll never know, but it didn't look like that was as accurate as it actually ended up being. So, yeah. so yeah. But, you know, I, I think uh, credit, was it was it Hoibier with the Hoibier's absolutely pass. splitting through really, really through good him? Pass. Incredible. And it's not the first time he's done that either. He does, to his credit, occasionally pull one of those well, out. Well, absolutely. I think Elio mentioned that, not the last podcast, the podcast before, that he's got that in his locker. So, you know, fair play. Played one against you last season, I think, for Kane, if I remember correctly, Dave. Goal machine and assist machine. He, he is. He is. I mean, Hoiberg is a man of many talents. But Kevin De Bruyberg. 
Do Kevin I like that no. one? I, that one's going to stick. No, no, sorry. They were being overruled on that one. <laughs> Kevin De Bruyne is sticking. No, he. I must admit, he did fool me because I thought, what a finish. I thought, really good ball, lovely run, good strength to hold that guy off, which is not something we've said about him too much, and a really nice finish. Unfortunately, yeah, it did look like it was a bit of a reflection, but sometimes you need a little bit of luck to get into it. Elio, I take it you're not ready to issue a public apology to Ryan Cessna on the basis of one deflected goal getting us back into a game. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm- so fed up of seeing someone who can't cross <laughs> when he's been playing that position for half a decade. I, I just, yeah, it, it's it's soul destroying. This is your job, man. Like you oh, paid a lot of money to do this job. Uh, <laughs> it's a job, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it's that left wing back position that's cursed. He's just taken up the mantle of Danny Rose in so many ways. He's just become Elio's arch nemesis and scapegoat now. At the end of the day, there's certain players that you think, okay, your output and your delivery isn't that great, but there's mitigating circumstances and I love you anyway. Aaron Lennon, the guy could dribble past four or five people without even trying. His pace was electric. He got you off your seat very, very regularly. The cross at the end of it was absolutely mm. tepid, but you forgive like him because you forgave him even. Yeah, a bit... I mean, I mean that's that's hard than Lennon, I'd say. Yeah, Lucas. Well, I'm sure many would disagree with that. Lennon, unfortunately, was severely underrated by mm. a large contingent of our fan base at the time. They actually thought David Bentley would replace him. Yeah, um, the Messiah. Because they're morons. But, um, <laughs> but <laughs> our, you can forgive that. You can forgive the player that gets you off your seat. But Sessegnon's not getting off m- my seat. He's, he's <laughs> just making me cross my arms and scowl like an angry geography teacher who's received the third my grandmother's died from the same student in the space of six weeks. Like, I just, I just can't understand how... I'm looking at this guy and thinking... Before we signed you, you were so highly thought of and so highly rated. And I can't imagine that you were ever that player that was described to me when we signed you. And it's really dispiriting. And I I hate going in on our players. And I especially hate going in on a young player. Especially hate going in on a young English player. And I really, really do want him to succeed. And he seems like he's got a great attitude. But learn to cross the f***ing football, man. (laughs) If we get 20 million bid in the summer and Destiny Udogi's back, you accepting it? Absolutely. Yeah, ship him out. Fair enough. Well, that's enough time on Sessegnon. I saw... Oh, we'll take him. Yeah. Look, you say you'll take him. The boy that put in the cross into Bamford for your winner yesterday, I I can't remember his name, but... As a striker. Fine. He can get the ball into the box effectively. We've got one one left back, and he is the the Emerson Royale of the left for Barcelona. (laughs) We got absolutely pulled our pants down. I think we played as I don't think we paid as much as you did for a Royale, but we paid a fair amount of money for Junior (laughs) Fair and he is not a footballer. He's not a professional footballer. And he's the only left back we have on our books in the club. (laughs) We don't even have a left back in the under twenty ones. You don't believe in position. It's still a hangover of the Bielsa total football scenario. Yeah, it's just It's just players out there and just doing their thing. Exactly, Dave. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's lovely. It's what we want to see. Next goal. Three of the five goals in the game were scored by a Welshman. Two of them were assisted by Johnny Vio. And the second goal for Spurs was Ben Davies <laughs> heading in a corner. It's getting a bit silly now, the corner thing, isn't it? Because we've scored two in this game. We've now got, what is it, 10? It's nine, I think it's 10 it? this season. Nine or 10. Um, wow. I, I find it hard to overlook Johnny Vio as our signing of the season, Elio. I mean, I know that we've all been a little bit sceptical about this at the beginning of the season, but it's impossible to deny that he's had an impact. What do you make of the whole thing? And we've discussed this before, and I guess, I mean, Dave described him as a snake oil salesman. He's got better <laughs> players to work with, players with 
well, one better player in Perisic with better deliveries. Yeah. Perisic is the only Spurs player who can cross a football. But I I praise him because without him, we'd be several points fewer yeah. and several positions down the league. But at the same time, this up market Burnley thing is beginning to grate on me ever so slightly. <laughs> I Before it was a case of we were scoring a lot of goals anyway and, and some corners a lot thrown of set in. pieces. Yeah. Now I feel like we're scoring more set pieces than open play goals and, and that's not the way I want us to go. I don't yeah. think it's the way Conte wants us to go either based on his comments after the match though. I've got some opinions on that as well but mm. uh, I, I do think that the set piece thing should be nice to have not uh, yeah. Uh, a tactic. Not to get out of jail free card, yeah, exactly. But good header from Davies, great delivery from Perisic. And yeah, that's the important thing. Happy for both of them. I mean, a lot of Spurs fans are beginning to think, oh, what does this Perisic guy do? Well, he's assisted more goals than any other Spurs players this season, so mm. that's what this Perisic guy does, and that alone is worth his spot in the team. And as for Davies, he's always been undervalued, underrated, and underappreciated by Spurs fans. Blood and Thunder player, gives absolutely everything. That block against Arsenal, the season being actually a standard Ben Davies thing to do Um, and I I like it when good things happen for him because he's one of the few Spurs players that actually you can never accuse him of sort of shirking his responsibilities and when I say one of the few I definitely mean one of the few yeah absolutely I won't argue with that I love Ben Davies and I'd be happy to see him start many many more games Dave last week Elio said that Rodrigo Benzinker is our best player he would sell Son or Kane before selling Benzinker uh, pretty bold claim but I think at the very least he is getting plaudits from many sections of the Spurs supporting world and rightly so what have you made of him since he's come to Spurs and particularly this season because he got the winner and he's been instrumental in our last few games from a highlights package viewing <laughs> non-Spurs Yeah, fans. how does he look in the highlights? He doesn't really do much. Yeah. <laughs> That's but the position though, isn't it? From a understanding how football works position, I think I do. Anyway, mm. I can understand why you like him because not necessarily exactly the same and quite different. Uh, well, maybe different in, in some cases, but I'm going to talk about Leeds again. Uh, the game last night, Melier got man of the match because he made nine yeah. saves mm. and he was ex- excellent. Yeah. Our next goalkeeper. Close second from my perspective. Yes. Yeah. Close, close second from my perspective with Tyler Adams mm. because he was instrumental in the midfield. Like he pretty much schooled mm. Fabinho on how to control the midfield. And I think that's one of the key things that he's very, very often, you know, the YouTube generation, I sound like an old man now, <laughs> YouTube generation, you know, the, the FIFA generation, yeah. they, they, my generation, Dave, they probably don't put much stock. Your, <laughs> your generation, Me and the other kids. They don't put a lot of stock in these players that can just take the ball in the right way so that they can be free to play the next ball. Mm. Not in a glamorous way, not in a showboat way, but in just a simple ability to keep the ball moving in the right direction at a speed which will then make it difficult for the other team to catch yeah. up. Mm. And that's and that's a real talent and a talent that is very much underappreciated when it comes to the more recently exposed to football fans. Yeah. And I think Bentancourt probably fits into that bracket as well in the sense that he just makes things keep going, tick yeah. over. And I think the fact that he was there in the box to put the finishing touches on this comeback is great and yeah. a really nice thing, but I think it's a minor yeah. point, yeah. Uh, a footnote to what he actually does for your team, which is exactly that, keep the ball going, keep the ball moving. He does keep the ball going and keep the ball moving, but 
it's also more than that. He he does the number one thing that I expect of any midfielder. He actually takes responsibility. Wherever the ball is on the pitch, wherever he is on the pitch, he wants to receive it. He wants to do something with it. When we don't have the ball, he wants to win it. I mean, there's a lot of talk at the moment about players maybe playing in second gear if they're wanting to stay fit for the World Cup, which starts very, very soon. Benton Gore is one player you cannot accuse of that. In the mm. defeat to Manchester United the other day, he was blood and thunder going after every single ball he absolutely could putting his body on the line and I really pray that nothing does happen to him because he's one player that definitely deserves his uh, spot at the World Cup in terms of keeping the ball moving I think and you see this in the way he took his goal as well, Dave. The big thing with him is his composure. He gets the ball. He knows where mm. everyone on the pitch is. And mm. it is very hard to take the ball off him before he's decided what he wants to do with it. So there's one little moment where he played a one-two and then ended up with a ball on the left. He'd brought it out of our defence in the first place, ended up with a ball on the left. And a Bournemouth player came steaming in. And he very calmly just sidestepped the guy yeah. and then switched the ball to the right-hand side of the pitch. And the way he took the goal is a and it's a volley where I think the ball had just bounced off his own back and he'd adjusted mm-hmm. his body, turned mm-hmm. around and side-footed it was very a chip calm into the net. In the circumstances, most wasn't players it? would just put their leg... Composed. It was so composed. For someone who doesn't score many goals, or any goals, really, the guy, most players would just put their laces through that and hope it doesn't hit a defender on the way. I, I just... Yeah. I love a composed player like that and he's growing in confidence yeah. and I think if he keeps on this trajectory, he will be one of the key midfielders in the league and we're going to start getting those nasty summer rumours that mm. we always get when we have a good player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'll be talking about him linking up with his compatriot at Real Madrid, won't they? I mean, what a midfield Uruguay are going to have, by the way, with Valverde, Valverde and well, that's exactly, and what, that's exactly what I was just looking yeah, at. Not yeah, not a bad yeah. team all round, really. Uh, now, the thing about him is it's just effortless, isn't it? I mean, like he's next to Hoiberg and obviously you're always comparing the two and Hoiberg, by all accounts, has had a great season, yet he makes Hoiberg look clumsy by comparison. And that's just because Hoiberg isn't as naturally calm on the ball, is he? He's not as technically gifted, I would say. Not being hard. I guess guess it's like comparing looking at forwards it's like Hoybier's a Kane yeah. and Bentancur's a Berbatov if that makes yeah, sense yeah, it is like, very much they'll like do that. the exact same thing but yeah. one will look more elegant well, one looks like the he other. meant it the other one doesn't yeah but <laughs> uh, I did hear uh, some Spurs fans comparing Bentancur to Berbatov but a midfield version early on when we signed I mean I, I didn't quite get it at that point but mm. I do at the moment I think to me he's like an athletic Michael Carrick he reads yeah. the game really really well he is calm in everything he does he plays it at his own pace but He's actually also got a real engine on him, which can be a really dangerous weapon. Hopefully this isn't just a purple patch and he continues this because I think he's, he's our midfield for the next half a decade at least. Let's hope so. I don't want to be be negative. I'm just trying to be devil's advocate here, but you can't help feeling in these sort of situations that fine margins are everything in football, right? We could have so easily been sitting here having looked at a two-all draw away at Bournemouth on the back of two defeats and other teams getting results around us. How different would the mood have been if that 90-second minute goal not gone in and we actually hadn't got the three points? Because, like you said, we didn't play well in the first half. Oh, you'd be using the bleep, the bleep button button. on the edits yeah. yeah. a hell of a lot more <laughs> than I mean, you're being very time, honest. But- I mean, that's the thing. I mean, sometimes that's what football comes down to. There's a tweet here from Paul O'Keefe, who I think you'll know from Twitter. Such a fine line between success and failure 
failure in football. Had Tottenham lost today, the questions and hostility towards the club and manager would have been plentiful. A break of the ball can determine so much. In the end, a good win and could swing momentum back their way. So at the end of the day, we had something like 70% possession this match. We We had over 20 shots. We had more on target. I don't know what the numbers were, but we had more on target. We played most of the passes. Bournemouth scores with, I think, their only two real chances of the game. And I think we had about 20 corners as well, or near that. We had 19 corners in that game, which is outrageous. So XG is obviously the Vogue stat these days. You know I have my kind of qualms with it, mainly because it doesn't account for how good the player with that XG is at any given time. Mm. Corners is a stat I absolutely love in a football match because other than in a complete freak situation... If a team has dramatically more corners than the other team, it usually means that they've been dominant, regardless of whether they've had less possession or more, because teams give away corners because it's the worst of several evils, the other evil being conceding a goal or a very dangerous attack. Yeah, so yeah. I think the corner stats really tells you a lot about how a team play. Now, we only actually looked good for half an hour, but clearly in terms of pressure up, it was probably a bit longer than that. It wasn't all in that half an hour, and I accept that. I think the problem is that until that half an hour at the end, it was just so frustrating because mm. you're seeing players getting into crossing positions and then doing absolutely nothing with it. You're seeing really sloppy passes. You're seeing our defence just bumble around and take five seconds to make a pass that could have taken them a second and a half. And things yeah. like that really annoy you, especially when you're on a bad run. And I think the problem with the passive football that we're playing at the moment is that when it does go badly, it goes really badly and it's really hard to kind of forgive it. So I think this football will always attract more criticism when it's going poorly than a more aggressive form of football. Now, this is where I get onto Conte. Conte is saying, and he did say in his post-match interview, the way we played the last half hour, I want the players to play like that from the start. Mm. So I want to tell the players to do what they do in training and to be braver on the ball. And... I didn't really like that comment because it was a bit of a Jose style putting it on the players Mm. comment. And I don't want to criticise clearly our best manager in a very long time. But I guess my thought on that is, come on, buddy. These are your players. You're the one training them every day. You're responsible for them doing what you want them to do. Yeah. So don't say they're not doing what they do in training. Figure out why they're not doing it and fix it. Also, it's easier than done, isn't it? I mean, you can only really go maintain a level of intensity for 90 minutes if you're extremely fit, for one thing, which, okay, maybe our players are. But it's like uh, I was watching, who was Man City playing the other day? Was it Leicester? And the last sort of 15, 20 minutes, Leicester looked really good. And, and the commentators were basically saying, where is this bit all game? It's too little, too late. But it's because they can only mm. really pick and choose the times to do that admittedly when we have more possession you'd think it's probably a bit easier to do it but I think he's probably asking a little bit too much of our players there isn't he I mean potentially but in that case adapt to what you've got what you've got right now is maybe 17 18 players that you trust in any way and only 13 14 that you seem to properly trust what you've got is fixtures every few days and what you've got is players that suited certain positions I'm not the one telling him to play a defensive-minded right-back as an attacking right-wing-back. I'm not the one insisting on a formation that surrenders the midfields to any kind of half-decent combination every single time. So... So maybe maybe he needs to look at what he has and adapt to it a bit more than he has instead of just trying to expect them to adapt to him. 
I don't know what the answer is. We're third in the league. We only need a point away to the bottom side in our Champions League group to be able to go to the last 16. Clearly, he's doing something right. But I just go back to his comments. You're the one training them. You're the one that speaks with them. You're the one that's employed a very large backroom staff, including, I imagine, someone of a psychologist nature to deal with these guys. So if they're not implementing the same things on match day that they are on the training pitch, figure out why, sort it out. You're the boss. You're the one whose neck on the line is if it doesn't go well. So you should be pretty motivated to sort that one. Absolutely. So that's Bournemouth. We somehow got over the line in that one. And our next game, of course, is uh, against an opposition that Dave is excellently placed to tell us all about. So Dave, Spurs playing Liverpool at home on Sunday. That's our next Premier League fixture. You've just beaten them 2-1. How do you beat Liverpool? Um, or do Liverpool beat themselves? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Well... Let's go through it one at a time. Okay, Virgil van Dijk's a shadow of his former self. Mm. He was awful yesterday. He should have stopped the first goal. Rodrigo, your... Um, My twin. Doppelganger. Yep. And Virgil van Dijk were in the same position when that back pass was played by Joe Gomez. Mm. And for some reason, Rodrigo was about 15 yards ahead of him by the time that he scored. Wow. Second goal as well, he was slow to react and he should have done better. So, yeah, he wasn't impressive at all. Joe Gomez looked like he was scared the entire game. Trent Alexander-Arnold is a winger. (laughs) He's becoming almost like Harry Maguire levels of meme now, isn't he? Because he's having such a poor season. It's hard. Harry Maguire would have to be good at something, Mm. though, to be uh, the equivalent of Trent Alexander-Arnold. The problem is that Trent Alexander-Arnold has to be good at two things and he's only really world-class at one of them and he's he's meh yeah. at the other uh, he's not a great right, right back the midfield was very easy to overrun so mm. you know Thiago was Thiago he's, he's pretty good um, he's Fabinho pretty good. didn't look fit Fabinho didn't look fit and and like I said earlier Tyler Adams ran the yeah. show him Aronson Rocker running like more kilometers than i've ever ran uh in 90 minutes well there was a stat on that wasn't there dave there was a, a new record a new new trophy it was the record. Yes. 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 Yeah, a new trophy a new trophy for the leeds cabinet which i'll gladly donate yep. to the empty one 121.4 um, kilometers that leeds run against liverpool it's not bad is it doesn't most, really mean much to me anyone's ever ran this yeah. season very good no. I feel like um, we've won three trophies since your last one. <laughs> I might be wrong on that. I feel like that's the case. We won the championship trophy two years ago. I think. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, let's count that one, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> let's count that legitimate trophy. The trophy Liverpool won't be proud of is that Liverpool have made the most errors leading to goals of any team this season, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was eight. And of those eight, I believe four. Yeah, I reckon we're close. I believe four of those eight were Joe Gomez, which is uh, a bit of a so, telling stat. You know how last yeah. season Cristiano Ronaldo remembered how to be Cristiano Ronaldo against yeah. us? You're expecting... Van Dijk's just going to do, th- yeah. yeah. do the same next week. Yeah. Well, my last comment, which, sorry, I'm afraid isn't a positive for you guys, is that every time Mo Salah gets the ball, I think he's going to score. Mm. He's absolutely terrifying. He's back. Um, the only difference is now it's just Salah, and it's not Salah and Mane. Mm. So there's not double trouble every mm. time. It's just single trouble. Nunes, don't wanna, I don't want to jinx it, but he looked pretty average yesterday. Yeah. And Firmino was Firmino. He, I think he had one chance, a header, and he managed to head it straight up earlier. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's weird. It's like a, it's like a cover band. They're like a cover <laughs> band for Liverpool. Bootleg Beatles. They, all, they look like Liverpool. 
They look like Liverpool. Yeah. They're wearing the same shirts, but it just doesn't feel the same. <laughs> and people won't pay as much for the tickets, and they ultimately won't be as good. Do you remember the film Space Jam with Michael Jordan and Bugs Bunny? Yeah, of course. You of know course. how the Monstars, they take all the talent out of these top basketball players, and then they're just there training, and they just can't even sink a simple shot? Yeah, Patrick do you think there Ewing's might be something like, like that oh, going on? Eight foot. <laughs> do you think Mane Mane's yeah, actually yeah. on another planet playing a football tournament with aliens? I mean, that's that's a that's a hot take, Dax. <laughs> Space Jam's really it happening, and it's the I, I can't think of a much better explanation. <laughs> so hang on, who who are the monsters then? Is that Newcastle? <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> would make sense. Yeah, yeah, that would make sense. But in all seriousness, I have no idea what to expect from Liverpool at the moment because their their forms all over the place. Obviously, yeah, we expect much better from them, but they have won games. They beat Man City away. They've actually played well on occasion. So it's a bit of a coin flip, isn't it? It's almost like Spurs this time last season, where one week we'd win, the next week we'd lose. And I have no idea what to predict. I don't know how the game's going to go. And I don't really know if I'm nervous or confident. And I'm hoping to delegate to Elio to tell me how I should feel about the upcoming Liverpool game. (laughs) Um, It's Liverpool and we're us and a bit like Manchester United, but worse. I think our record against Manchester United is a hell of a lot better than our record against Liverpool. (sighs) On form, I mean, obviously we're on better form generally because look at the distance between the two sides in the league. But we're, we're talking about a side that could have won the quadruple yeah, six months just ago. Just last season, yeah. And who have Salah, who is arguably the best forwards in the league, if we still call Kevin De Bruyne a midfielder. Mm. And I, I just, I mean, all right, Haaland, I guess. But He's all right. you know what I mean? Incredible, incredible player. Van Dijk and Alisson have been having poor seasons by their standards operative word there by their standards yeah. these are guys who have proven themselves over several years as top players so so I don't want to count my chickens I think what works in our favour is that a lot of our struggles this season has been in being outdone by midfields and Liverpool's midfield has a combined age of 632 <laughs> so I feel like yeah. I feel like if Benton Core and Hoybier are at it then those two against three of theirs should be good will it be two? Darwin Nunez Pardon? Will it be two or we have three? Will we have a well, three doesn't seem to... I think it'll be two. Mm. I think Conte will go to what he trusts the most and what he trusts the most is the 3-4-3. Three, three. I feel like Richarlison's on the precipice of return to the team as well mm. at the moment. I think Benton, Curran, Hoybjerg are playing well and I can see them having a good game. So I think that, that that's where the game will be won and lost. Uh, I know it's the oldest cliche in yeah. football is one in midfield but it is Mm. and both teams have good forwards both teams have mistake prone defences so let's see who wins that battle I also think that Liverpool reminds me of the final days of Pochettino just they've had trophies along the way and we clearly didn't but (laughs) I I feel like I'm watching this Liverpool side who have spent all these years playing this high intensity football Mm. high press loads of battling off the ball really good fast exciting football on it and they've just run out of a little bit of puff they just that because they haven't been refreshed because they're still playing Jordan Henderson and Fabinho and James Milner because they're I mean Salah must be touching 30 because I think he's about the same age as Kane and Son Van Dijk I think as well because he's been Premier League god knows how long now because he was with Southampton before so I feel like all these guys are just beginning to run out of a little bit of puff and that's why you're getting some of the results you're getting with them. I mean, Leeds and I think they lost to Nottingham Forest as well, they didn't did. they? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. so I, I really think that if we're at it, then we could do them. 
But we do have an inferiority complex with Liverpool and without wanting to be one of those superstitious types, I am one of those superstitious types. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, you can't help that. And yeah, I never enjoy the build-up to that match because I always expect the worst. I mean, mm. our record against Liverpool, for what it's worth, I've just looked it up now while I've been talking, we have lost 87 and won 48. So that's a 40-game difference. And this is accounting for the fact that we didn't finish behind them in the league for about 10 years in a row in very recent memory until 2019, I believe. So the fact that it's that dramatic despite that probably tells you everything you need to know. And we haven't beaten them since the 4-1 at Wembley in October 2017, home and away. And the last time before that was five years in November 2012, despite the fact that we were finishing above them every single year in that period. (laughs) And we're right back to the doom and gloom of last week. Dave, you had a point. Yeah, just touching on what you were saying about running out of steam for Liverpool. I think think that's a really good point. And I think it's interesting that... You guys don't understand this. I don't understand this. But Liverpool have won a lot of trophies (laughs) in the last few years. Must get boring winning all those trophies. I'm not even... That's exactly what I'm saying, (laughs) Dags. I think... What has Trent Alexander-Arnold done in the last four years? Mm. Everything. Maybe he just needs a change. Maybe these, these, all of this mm. team just needs to actually be refreshed. You know, I don't want to put any kind of praise on Manchester United managers, but to be able to get a team to be the best and then be the best again and then be the best again and then be the best again is a real skill because surely... You don't mm. want to just do the same thing again. Absolutely. Uh, and if you look at, put it in that perspective, I think there's a mental side of it, which I think can't be denied as well. Yeah. I think everybody is out of steam because I think that's just the way that the world is at the moment. Mm. I think everybody's just knackered, whether it's football or, or work or yeah. anything. But but I do think there's a mental side of it where where, yeah. where they, they've achieved everything they can achieve. And, you know, it, it's a different type of manager, which Klopp has never had to do before. Yeah. To reinvigorate a team that has already won everything. I mean, he didn't manage to do this at Dortmund, did he? Um, no, and exactly, Pochettino didn't manage to do it with us. And I think actually, once again, but going to the parallel between us and Liverpool, what we did consistently under Pochettino, we had such a good first eleven that we were consistently buying either young potential players or older players who were happy being on the bench. It was either a Lorente or a Kevin Vimmer who actually was good in his first season before. Mm. He wasn't. (laughs) So it was never anything in between. It was never actually someone who was going to take a first-team spot off someone. And that ended up meaning we stagnated. And if you look at Liverpool signings over the years, since Fabinho, I can't remember who they've really brought in. I think Fabinho was after Alisson and Van Dijk. I can't remember who the last sort of big impact nailed on first-team player they've... they've I think Thiago was was the last one. He was meant to be, but he's injured almost the entire time. So Mm. He hasn't really. Well, yeah, but when he when he is playing, when, he's, he's their best yeah. midfielder, and he's a great player and wonderful to watch. But he's also a player in his thirties as well. I mean, you're yeah. looking you're looking at them, and you're looking at sort of Jota, good player, would improve us, I imagine. Not Mane or Salah. Hmm. Darwin Nunez yeah. did very, very well in the Portuguese league. Carlos Vinicius was also the top scorer in the Portuguese <laughs> league a few years oh, ago before he got him on the. Nunez does look he like looks good. He's a gonna Premier be good. League capable yeah. of striker. But my point being, who have they signed really in, in recent times that you think, yep, you are taking someone's yeah. spot? I mean, look at the back four, and it's Van Dyke, Robertson, Trent, and then one of Matipo Gomez, depending on who's 
fit because they're both injury prone or obviously uh, the French kid as well um, is it Canate uh, who actually Mm -hmm. does look like he's going to be a player if he he ever stays fit as well I mean three of those and the goalkeeper started the Champions League final against us didn't they I mean it's the same players just older and less hungry Dave remember I referenced Space Jam earlier I'm going to ask you another one do you remember Rocky 3 you know when Mr. T is challenging Rocky him? Three. Yeah, the one with Mr. T. Yes. Where, yes, where Mickey refuses to let Rocky fight Mr. T because he thinks he's going to lose. And he says, Hell, you ain't been hungry since you won that belt. That's Liverpool. Exactly. You know, they exactly. Won, and now they're, they're like, they're still playing. They're well, still good players. But they've been there. They've done it. They've won the Champions League. They've won the Premier League. And it's just like, they're not quite as. They've lost the eye of the tiger, Dave. That's what it is. Yeah, why is everybody listening to this podcast when they could be watching Rocky 3? I mean, I'm going to watch Rocky 3 as question. soon as we're done right now. Now I really want to. I'm going to watch um, it But no, seriously. Yeah, I'm going to watch it while we're doing this. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to phone in Jack and there is, there is an element of it. And I heard guys on Sky Sports talking about this because obviously they've started so badly. Obviously, they, I'm not saying they went out and intended to think, ah, to hell with the league. We've won it. We don't want to win it again. It's not that cut and dry. But I think there must be a part of them thinking, we're not going to win the league this year if we're being completely honest with ourselves. And they lose that 10%. And that's probably showing. Because if you look at the Champions League, they're flying. They're battering everybody. Okay, their group's not exactly brilliant, but they're winning comfortably and they look like Liverpool. And there must be an element of just, we're not going to come first, so what's the point? Obviously, they're probably going to still challenge for top four and they want to, and if it comes down to it. But it's hard to really push 100% if it's not going for first place. Didn't Napoli just absolutely fuck them, though? Ah, not that recently. That was, the first, that was ages ago. the first game week. They've got to play them now. That's their last game. So since then, they've played Ajax twice and Rangers twice. I'm sure we're going to get into talking how mental Champions League results have been when talking about... Well, let's talk about Champions League, <laughs> oh, yeah. shall we? Because it's probably about time we talked about our final group game against Marseille. We won 2-0 in the home game. This is a way we basically have to not lose and we're in the knockout games, which is exciting. But nervy again, isn't it? Elio, are you a little bit worried about this one? I mean, we're top of the group. We've had some misfortune against us, whether you think it was the right decision or not. And there's a lot of people saying, well, VAR got it right after four and a half minutes or whatever the hell it was. I, I'm still just... Yeah. yeah. Anyway, let's no, not get no, into don't, that. Don't uh, even we've, go we've already talked Please. about that. So I'm really I'm begging Dave's you. resisting trying to make me nibble because he wants to go to sleep at some point this week. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but um this is just the sort of situation where traditional Spurs will let you down. This is the situation where it's in our hands. We're against the bottom team in the group, obviously a very tight group. We should have already qualified and fluffed a couple of opportunities to do so. We've kind of gone through every Spurs bingo cliche in this group. We've had the <laughs> the injustice of that last minute goal being disallowed. We've had the ex-player scoring a wonder goal against us. We've <laughs> yeah. had the ridiculous the sort of snatching defeat from the jaws of victory the red cards yeah so it would be very spurs to be winning this game 1-0 with three minutes to go and then Mm. lose 2-1 to Marseille Um, Marseille can qualify (laughs) though Marseille have a lot to play for if they beat us and the other game is a draw Marseille win the group. It's a final. <laughs> that's how crazy. It's a final. I think, some I think you said. guys are being very. I, I, that, that's way more confident than I would be, to be honest. If I was in this position, you are aware. I, I don't think that sounded confident. It, it sounded more confident than I thought we should be. <laughs> you guys are away to Marseille, right? Marseille inexplicably have taken all of their points, all six points in this group from the team that you struggled so badly against in terms of in sports. Uh, football doesn't work that they way, took Dave. All six points against that. That's crazy, and they're they're home they started poorly you got to look at it from the other side guys and this would be an absolute hero's performance 
Netflix documentary <laughs> of, a, of a performance if Marseille could turn this around after losing quite embarrassingly comfortably 2-0 in the first game. The worst part of it is, if Marseille knock us out of the Champions League with four ex-Arsenal players in players. their starting lineup, <laughs> you just know what Twitter is going to be like. I'm not even going to want to look at it. It's going to be horrible. It's going to be disgusting. But it's not going to happen. Smart Spurs fans. It's not going to happen, is Smart it? Smart Spurs fans putting money on Marseille Ooh. to win. I, I, I am petrified by this. And you know what? Marseille... <laughs> Let's give them They're muddling around sort of fifth or sixth in France at the moment. I mean, it's a poor league mm. and they're not sort of in the top two or three. So that says it all. Um, <laughs> you just know they're going to screw us. I'm not confident. I'm not confident in the slice. I'm expecting another angry Elio in our next recording. I, I'm going to try and we'll take just, the other side. We, we will have, I'm going we to will have just lost side. to Marseille and Liverpool. <laughs> and I will have had a seven hour drive home because a lorry will have overturned on the M3. <laughs> Stand by for an, and it will be raining. Stand by for an entertaining episode next week, one way or another. It may and not I will involve get home Elio. and find that my cat has shat on the bathroom floor. <laughs> and I will have to clean that up before our recording. Before we go down that road. Welcome home. Let me just and say. And my wife will have made dinner and not even saved me any. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm insisting to take over now, Elio, because I'm worrying for you. Let me just remind you, Marseille, and I, just, I, I feel like as the words leave my mouth, I'm only making it worse, but Marseille have not won in their last four. They've lost three in the league and drawn one in, as you mentioned, not the best league, let's say. I don't know if they've happened to play PSG in that run, but if they have, then fair enough. And you mentioned that it would be a classic Spurs thing to do to lose this game, but would a classic Spurs team have come back from 2-0 down and won 3-2? In that game against Bournemouth, maybe this is a different team, Elio, and I'm going to try and keep you smiling and happy and positive because I really want to bring maybe, you back next week. Maybe Spurs should have not been 2-0 down to newly promoted Bournemouth <laughs> in the first place. Maybe not, but it's more fun this way, you have to admit. Come on, this is what football is all about, isn't it? It would be boring I if we really won 1-0 every week. I really love that 9-1 victory over Wigan. At no point in that match did I feel like we were going to lose. <laughs> we'll take a 9-1 every week as well. That would be just as enjoyable. Well, look, let's see what happens in that game. I don't think anyone's going into it thinking this is going to be a walkover. I think our Champions League group so far is enough to tell us that we need to take every game very seriously. And I imagine... Also, we talk about Marseille's ex-Arsenal players. You know, they've got an ex-Spurs player in goal. Have they? Paulo Lopez, who never got really? a glimmer of an appearance for us because, well, Hugo Lloris, I guess. They have Paulo Lopez in goal, who is actually a pretty good goalkeeper. So I, I bet he would love to have the performance of his life. Yeah, that makes it even worse, doesn't it, to be honest? I mean, look at what Marcus Edwards did to us last week, right? I mean, Definitely wants to make a point. Yeah, forget uh, Ganduzi and Alexis Sanchez and whatnot. It's Paulo Lopez that I'm scared of. And Nuno, I mean, Nuno Tavares, I didn't even know he used to play at Arsenal until yeah. we played Marseille and someone said he used to play at I don't Arsenal. think he really played at Arsenal. I think he was just... At Arsenal. Anyway, I don't think many people are going into that game thinking this is going to be an easy walkover. Let's play a reserve team and we'll guarantee our spot. But I think we should be favourites and let's hope we can see it out. Let's hope we can at least get into the knockout stages because that's what the Champions League is really all about. Before we go to Challenge Elio, just a few more points. Obviously, the league table, we mentioned it earlier, but just to touch on it, we are third. We are a little bit further behind Man City and Arsenal now thanks to their wins, but we are still despite what happens against Liverpool, we're still looking okay for the top four. And I think it's going to take something pretty spectacular for us to not be top four by the time the World Cup starts, which is encouraging. Follow us on Twitter 
at plus Dave <laughs> on that note follow me at plus Dave Dags follow Dave at Fantasy Dave and follow Elio at Elio underscore P underscore THFC we are going to be losing 1-0 in the 93rd minute and we will get a last minute penalty and Harry Kane will step up and it will be a good penalty straight for the top corner yep. and Paul Lopez is somehow going to save it with a scorpion <laughs> kick <laughs> And He's going to go or full score, on or score a last minute winner. He'll go full on Rene Higuita. The scorpion kick will then go out to Nuno Tavares on the left wing, who will swing it into Matteo Guendouzi, who will play a perfect through ball to Alexis Sanchez, who will score the winner or the equaliser. I don't know. I don't know what you said, but that sounds right. I'm, I'm going with that. Let's see. Anyway, shall we do some challenge earlier? Because this is just getting out of control. We've, we've lost all sense of structure. We're, we're just in anarchy now. We need to rein this in. Let's do some challenge earlier. As always, I like to go with something from recent past, something from the near future, and then who am I, basically? Yep. Uh, and always one that will give Dave a chance. I'm still going to give Dave a chance on it this week, despite the fact Dave that he absolutely, chance. yeah, despite the fact that he absolutely destroyed my soul last time he was on. <laughs> um, I, I wasn't too minds about doing a who am I to tell you the truth. I cried for two days straight, <laughs> went through three <laughs> bottles of whiskey and beat up several local dogs after <laughs> what Dave did. So the last part, clearly not true. No dogs were harmed the in the making of this podcast, for the record. <laughs> I'm not Kurt Zuma. Um, I was waiting for that. So... so First thing I'm going to have a look at is comebacks from behind. Hmm. And uh, I think I'm just going to go with buzzer for you guys. Yep. Um happy for either of you to just shout out your answers and whoever gets there first gets the point. Uh, I've gone for five different comebacks from behind involving Spurs. The first question is regarding our most famous one of recent history, Lucas against Ajax. Now, we all know we were 2-0 down in that match. We lost the first game 1-0 as well. So we were very much going out of the Champions League. And up until the 95th minute, that was very much the case. I vaguely remember Lucas, this. <laughs> Lucas obviously sent us to the final. How many of his three goals were with his left foot? Buzz. Go on, Dave. Two. I think it's all three. I'm going to pass that over. I think it's all three. It, it is yeah. all three. I was trying to remember the first one. I, don't, I couldn't. I. I can't. I can't mentally picture. I mean, I can obviously them, so. mentally picture the third because that's just permanently burned into my brain. But the second one, I actually was looking at the other day because I was thinking of undervalued and underrated yeah, the Spurs skill goals. When he took it round the goalkeeper and the defenders, yeah, that goal might be one of the most underappreciated Spurs goals ever because he did some unbelievable dribbling to find <laughs> the space and then just thread it through and I remember that with his left foot mm. what was the first goal like was it um, just the like the first a... one was I think Delhi knocked it through to him yeah. he took it forward with his right foot and hit it with his left foot mm. so just very good sort of poacher's goal as much as anything else whatever happened to that guy <laughs> I, I think he, he played at Bournemouth the other yeah. day uh, yeah, he moonlights as a footballer <laughs> so Second question. Last season, obviously, we had a game that put a lot of gumption into our season away to Leicester City. We were losing 2-1 until very, very late on. Steven Bergwijn scored two goals to win it right at the death for us. Elated celebrations, players going into the crowd, everyone going bananas, me losing my voice, all <laughs> par for the course. His last minute winner versus Leicester. Who played Steven Bergwijn through? <clears throat> Harry Kane. It was Harry Kane. Yeah. Of course it was Harry Kane. We no don't have idea. anyone else who can play a pass. I'm joking. <laughs> Hoiberg, Hoiberg <laughs> could have played that. 
Hoybier could have played that pass. Yeah. Um, he actually did play the pass to Harry Kane, I believe. So mm. he got the hockey assist. So question number three. April 2009. Slightly sadder story here. We're 2-0 up away at Manchester United. Oh, no. A dodgy penalty is given when Michael Carrick dives past Corelio Gomez. The penalty is scored. We go on to lose that game 5-2, completely losing our heads in the process. The typical, quote-unquote, Spursy cliche. Yeah. The thing that gets everyone calling us bottle jobs. Who was the referee who gave that non-penalty against Corelio Gomez? <clears throat> go on. It's between two. You've got one shout and one shout only. Howard Webb. It was Howard Webb. I nearly said Klassenberg. Always loving to make himself centre yeah. of attention. Yeah, my, my guess would have been Twattenberg. Yeah. I mean, Klassenberg. <laughs> Klassenberg was, was the one the that didn't give... Um, yeah. yeah, Klassenberg did not give Pedro Mendes a goal from the halfway yeah. line. That was two I, foot over I'm the line. I'm so. certain, Elia, we watched that game together at your dad's. And I think you broke something in your living room. Maybe a control. Oh, no, you ripped a teddy bear in half. <laughs> 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 This one's more recent history. Last season, towards the end of the season, we're playing Southampton. We're winning the match. We concede late on, and then we concede late on again. Mm. What was the score in that reverse against Southampton that almost dashed our Champions League hopes last season? Um, all right, I'll, I'll buzz in. Go on, Dave. Go on. Was it 3-2? It was 3-2. Oh, very good. Dave gets the point. And the final question, I saved this to last because it's the most fun one. As you know, Dagis has won this round already. However, if he gets this wrong, I might just give Dave two points uh, for the sake of it. <laughs> November 2010, we're a Champions League team for the first time. We're away to Arsenal. We're losing the match 2-0 at halftime. We come back. I've asked a question related to this before. Uh, we come back through a lovely Gareth Bale goal, a penalty from Rafa van der Vaart, and that last moment header from Ewan Kabul, uh, the back header to give us the 3-2 victory. Who took the free kick that Yunus Kabul scored from? See, this is annoying because... Many I, good Spurs players in that team. Modric, Lennon, Bale, Van der Vaart, Ben You know what's annoying Cotto. about this question? You, you, you've probably forgotten this, but I effectively asked you the exact same question once because I did a challenge, Elio, about famous Spurs assists and this was in it and I still don't remember the answer. Oh, I'm going to go... I'm going to go for Genus. It was not Jermaine Genus. Dave, okay. you've got a free shot. At can, I, can I go for the goalkeeper? Nah, it wasn't. <laughs> it was Raphael van der Vaart. I even said his name. No oh, more I thought you were ruling him out. Ago. Ah, no? okay. Fair enough. Either way, you've won that 3-1. Fair enough. Well done, thanks. Cheers, Dave. <laughs> it's okay. That just means that Dave will make a comeback yeah. in keeping with the theme of that question. Yeah, so. just as a re- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just a reminder to anyone listening, I do support Spurs and Dave doesn't. Next round. <laughs> right. I am going to ask you guys to write down the following names. Mm-hmm. So I hope you both have a pen and paper. I've got the notes I've app on my little, phone. I've done a little team of Spurs French footballers in the Premier League. I've managed to get one per position. So in goal, Hugo Lloris, right back. Um, I'm writing these down. Yeah. You do need to write them down because you'll need to remember these as I go along. <laughs> so okay. in goal, Lloris. I have no idea where this is going. Okay, Lloris, yeah. Right back, Pamaro. Wow. Great radio this. Wow. Left back Chimbonda, <laughs> centre backs Kabul and Gallas. Well, yep. On the wings, we've got Steeds Marbrank and David Ginola. What formation are you playing? Four, 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 two, um, yeah? A four-three-three. Three. So Marbrank and Ginola on the wings. Wait, okay. A central three of Sissoko, Stambouli, 
and Ndombele. <laughs> why, why did I hear a French team this and think a, it would be a lot this better? Is the I, thought, I thought this team would be a lot better. You think of French footballers, you, you think of a generally better standard than this, don't you? And up front, Louis Sahar. <laughs> God. Now, I mean, you say... Great, great hat work from Louis Sahar I mean, He's one of the stars on, of this uh, team. I'd, on the... Uh, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday football. I mean, you say you'd expect this team to be a hell of a lot better, including a couple of surprises in there. Almost all of these have been capped by France at some point. Yeah. Um, How many would get into the current France team? One, the one who's in there. There will be a tie. Ginola probably wouldn't even get into this uh, France team. Chimbonda is playing left back. Okay. He did. So, no French. So you haven't had any French left back. We had a cotter, but he changed to Cameroonian <laughs> uh, after a couple yeah. of years. You've got 11 French footballers that play for Spurs written down. I'm going to shout out the clubs that we signed them for, I want you to buzz in to see if you guess the player from the club we got them from. There will be a tie break sure. if you guys end up equal. So We can't end up equal. There's 11. <laughs> yeah, but you might both get things wrong. Don't forget. So, who did we sign from Auxerre? Buzz. Go on. Stambouli. It was not Surely. Stambouli. No. So you missed out on Yun Kabul. Ah, okay. Who did we sign from Lyon? Mm. Go on. Loris. It was Hugo Loris. Who did we sign from Montpellier? Wait, on that. Buzz. Go on. Stambouli. Correct. Wait, Elio. Correct me if I'm wrong. There may be a couple, yes. I know where you're going, but you gave an answer okay. and you didn't take the opportunity to yeah, do that. I got the other one. I, I was going to say yeah, the other yeah. one. <laughs> so you guys are just going to have to be a bit hawkered at some point. We're going to have to trust our internet connections to buzz in on time. Who did Who did we sign from Fulham? <laughs> that, oh, on. Who was that? Who was that? That was Dave. Oh, it was, that's a lie. That would be super steed. That was Steve Marlbrunk, the man who had a mystery operation that delayed his debut for us by several months, and many speculated that it was, in fact, a penis enlargement. Um, <laughs> I am sorry. Wow. How have I not ever heard this? <laughs> this is the world of the internet. for a second? Before Twitter. Get him on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe get his wife on the phone. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Who did we sign from Nice? Buzz. Go on. Pamela. We did. <sighs> Lucky guess, Dave. Who did we sign from Newcastle? <clears throat> Buzz. Go on, Dave. Oh, come on. As if he got there first. Saha. It was not Louis Saha. So, Dag, if that goes over to you. I maintain that I buzzed first. It's surely Ginola. It was David Ginola. Yeah. That is your second point in this round, Dagus. <laughs> you did not say that as a congratulations. Who did we sign from Lyon? Buzz. <clears throat> Oh, that was me. That was me. Who was that? <laughs> it really wasn't. It was 100% Dave. No. The editing will bring it all uh, out. Tangy Ndomberger. <laughs> it was Tangy Ndomberger. Oh. We're not going to need the tiebreaker. I really thought we might. Um, no. Who did we sign from Everton? Buzz. <sighs> Go on. Saha. Yeah. That was Saha. Yeah. And just because now it's going to be fun to humiliate Daggis, <laughs> who did we sign from Wigan? Buzz. Yeah, I know that Go one. On. I've, you're really quick. It was. I Pascal. knew that one, but you're just too quick, Dave. Even when I do buzz faster than you, Elio still lets you answer first. Even if I don't know the answer, it's come full circle. I'm going to buzz. <laughs> this is Elio's slow retribution for all the corruption the times I was doing challenge Elio. He's been waiting to get me back. Who did we sign from Arsenal? Buzz. Go on, Dave. Gallas. It was Gallas. This is a disgrace. This is like watching football. Where oh, this is a disgrace. As <laughs> John would say. Least, who did we sign from Newcastle? Come on. Sissoka. Yes. 
Daggers, you could have got two points for Newcastle when I you know. said Ginola earlier. You missed that opportunity twice. I thought I could only say one. I never made that rule. Mm. I don't know where you got it from. Fine. Wow. You'll be editing it. You'll you'll see the proof. You had the nerve to call UEFA corrupt last week. This is shocking. Shocking. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are now tied at one all for the two of you. What for was this the final score? Sorry, yeah. just to double check. The final score for that <laughs> you was... You don't need the final score, Dave. 8-2. 8-2. Eight, cool. 8-2. Eight, two. Eight, two. You'd hate to be me. I'm going to give you an opportunity, Dagus, to Embarrass get myself further? Six <laughs> points in one go to tie level with Dave just because he's being a bit too smug. Oh, okay. <laughs> Not going to give hope... you the player name, Yeah. but I'm going to ask you, which player did Glenn Hoddle loan in for us, French player, from Inter Milan, who lit up White Hart Lane for a few matches before being exiled by David Pleat for knocking out Jamie O'Hara in a reserve match. Sounds like a hero to me. That sounds like something I should know as well. Um, I have a good guess. Go on, Dave, because I've got nothing. No, no, you, you got a guess. Is Dave Googling it or does he actually know? No, I, I, I've, I've already said I think I know. I'm not going to get it. Go on, Dave. You have a go. I think it's Stefan Dalmat. <laughs> it was <laughs> Stefan Dalmat. That's right, yeah. <laughs> That's right, man. Ledge. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You need to... Yeah, he had a big attitude problem on Chapman as well. You mm. need to YouTube the goal Dalmat scored for us against Leicester City. It was absolutely spectacular. And some of the skills he did in that game as well. I remember him leaving Robbie Savage on his ass. Not that hard to do at that point in <laughs> Savage's career. But still, it was a... We already had a vehement dislike of Robbie Savage, who I've since actually mm-hmm. grown quite fond of as a pundit. Um, yeah. no he's one of the few I like. Uh, well, he was very on hand to support when Glenn Hoddle had his heart attack and so got a lot of brownie yeah, points yeah, for yeah. me for that. Yeah. Right, and also Chris... That went far too serious far too quickly. He sounds like a Muppet. <laughs> <laughs> also, Chris Sutton's a twat and Savage usually puts him in his place, which I enjoy. Right. <laughs> Who am I? Here we go. Elio. <laughs> Pele predicted I'd be a world superstar the exact quote being up there with Zinedine Zidane, Paolo Maldini, and Ronaldo. Who goes he first? Played for Spurs. Who goes first? I mean, there could be so many. I've got a name in my head. Well, if you want to say it, then say um, it. Are you Adele Tarabd? No. No. Pele did not say I was going to be up there with Ronaldo, <laughs> Maldini. He had the skills to be. <laughs> right. Okay. I have played in the Premier League for six clubs. Six. six. Oh, this stinks of a Dave victory already. No, I've got no idea. No. Okay. My middle name <laughs> is John without the H. That's really dull. No offense to anyone called John, but compared to some of the middle names we've had here on the past. John without the H. It's a wipe out from me. Cool. Are we going to the next clue? I think we yep. are. I have four goals in 23 international appearances. Mm. Are you a striker for a terrible team? No, that helps in no way. <laughs> no way Six at all. clubs. Yeah, that's the yeah. one I'm really focusing on. It should be easy. I don't that. remember Anelka playing for Spurs, but he might have done. <laughs> Speaking of French footballers who are difficult on championship manager. I mean, there's a couple of forwards that we've had that I can think of, but neither of them are the answer to this. I don't know. Next one. Okay, so I retired in 2012 playing for the club local to the town of my birth. Hmm. So for my local club. Hmm. Now, this is a really difficult one. I'm trying not to focus too hard on the Pele one because with all respect to one of the greatest players of all time, he's come out with a lot of rubbish in his time. <laughs> he really has. <And> so, <laughs> I, 
<laughs> I feel like that's in there as a comedy clue. Hmm. Well, that was just to make sure that Dave didn't win it on the first guess this time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've gone really deep into this one after Dave got it first time. <laughs> no, I'm struggling. You got nothing from to me. To the surprise of no one. I have played under England internationals, Terry Venables, Glenn Hoddle, Brian Robson, Jerry Francis, and Kevin Keegan. Okay. This feels like it should help. Mm. Have a guess. Go on, Dave. Go on. Is it Nick Barmby? It is Nick Barmby. Very good. Very that is good. Very well done. I think I was a few clues off that one, to be honest. Uh, that is... Venables, Venables had it for me. Yeah. Did he ever play he for Newcastle? Under Venables for both Spurs and England. Yeah. He played, I think he might have played under Venables yeah, at Leeds as well, actually. Yeah. Yeah, he Did he play for Newcastle? Because under... I had Newcastle on my head. No, he didn't play for Newcastle. No, I was so thinking for, of Newcastle players England, as soon as you said Keegan. Huddle for England, Jerry Francis for Spurs, Brian Robson. Uh, yeah. yeah. Now, very well done. So very good. other clues in there were born in Yorkshire. I wasn't going to go with born in Hull because I yeah. thought that would definitely give yeah. it away for Dave. Managerial career is 33 games in charge of Hull, which I also thought Dave would get because Hull were in the same division as you at that mm. point. Maybe. <laughs> This one, maybe they got that. <laughs> this one in the same vein as the manager one that gave it away. I played with Klinsman, Juninho, Owen, and Viduka. I think the second you Viduka. heard both Owen and Viduka, yeah. you'd have Viduka got it. Viduka would have, yeah. Um, yeah. I like, I like how you're, basi- you're basically saying you went to all lengths possible to make sure it wasn't easy for Dave. Yeah, he still won. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Good. I have played for both Liverpool top flight clubs. Mm. How many uh, players yeah. have done that recently? Yeah. So that was probably a giveaway. I won the FA Cup, League Cup, and UEFA Cup all in the same year. Liverpool did the, the mm. non-league treble in 2001. And last one was, I have two sons with my wife, Mandy. She is seven years my senior, and I married her at 19, which left me estranged from my father for several years. <laughs> wow. Jesus, that sounds, sounds like an episode of Jeremy Carl. It does sound like a, um, like a soap opera. And Pele thought he would be up there with Zidane and Ronaldinho. No, or Ronaldo. Zidane and Ronaldo. Ronaldo. Mm. <laughs> wow. I mean, good player, but Pele, I think, he's a, you're not a scout. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. You're not going to sign him on football manager, yeah. are you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Judging Very good player, player potential, one. Yeah. <laughs> well done, Dave. Two one win for you again this week. Very comprehensively one. Wow. An eight two followed by a very good who am I? I'd like Dagus to forget clearly. about the eight two, much like Barcelona mm. and Arsenal. Indeed. <laughs> yes, well, you can't because I'll remind you next week. I'm sure you will. Of that I have no <laughs> doubt. Well, thank you once again, Elio, for taking the reins on Challenge Elio and giving me slightly less prep to do, but also humiliating me in the process. It's always a worthwhile trade-off from my side, and uh, it's always nice (laughs) to be reminded quite how little I know about my own team, a team about which I run a podcast, which is just lovely. But thanks for that, and well done, Dave, for yet another win. And I think you're on a bit of a streak now. How many have you won in a row? Oh, it's, uh, it's a three or four. Ah, it's, just, it's just getting it's just boring, old, isn't it? It's like we were saying earlier. Into it. You've got to keep yeah. your fingers crossed that I just get bored of winning. This just is, like Liverpool. This is yeah. why we need Joe back. This is why we need Joe so that we can have armchair well, on armchair. I'm glad you said that earlier because I have it on very good authority that we will have Joe don't, back don't give us hope, next week. He is confirmed. That is not to say that he won't change his mind between now and next week, 
But Joe has told me that he will return next week because next week, of course, is a very special episode. Not just because we will be previewing Spurs leads, not just because we will be reviewing, obviously, a comfortable victory over Liverpool, but it will actually be our 50th episode. So we're going to have the third instalment of Elio versus Dave. 49 episodes, nearly as many episodes as Harry Kane has missed free kicks in a row. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Something like that. And we will, of course, have the third instalment, as I say, of Elio versus Dave. Dave, you're obviously on great form and challenge Elio, but you're only facing me. How are you feeling about facing Elio next week? Uh, Quirking in my boots. Mm. Elio, confident as always? What's the score between me and Dave on Elio versus Dave? I think you won both. Yeah, last minute winners. 2-0-2. I mean, I don't think I agreed to the trilogy belts. I've already beaten them twice. (laughs) Yeah, it's just we need a new challenger really, don't we? This is fury. (laughs) Just, you know, brain damaging. (laughs) A poor poor defenceless Derek Chisora. Exactly. Well, let's hope it's at least a bit of a contest. I'm sure it'll be entertaining anyway. And Joe has agreed to come back and help. And we've already started planning it. So be excited. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be a blockbuster episode. And it's going to be our 50th. So probably a good opportunity to thank everybody who's been listening, especially those few of you who have been listening from the very start. I know that there are some of you out there. And we always appreciate our listeners from all over the world. It's always great to see the amount of people tuning in and the fact that we are steadily increasing our numbers. So thank you all. Whoever enjoys coming in to listen to Elio, rant and rave and have an existential crisis as a Spurs fan like last week. And whoever enjoys listening to Dave humiliate me on matters of Spurs. We thank you and I hope you'll be back for many more episodes to come. Guys, any closing thoughts before we finish things up today? It's not looking too bad, is it, Elio? Like I said, I I feel a bit bad about the fact that I do complain given that we're looking very, very handy at the moment in terms of where we are in both important competitions. But... But let's just hope that we keep it up for those two more league games and then second half of the season we come back with some vigour. Exactly. Fingers crossed. Let's see many of you next week and hopefully we will be celebrating a win against Liverpool. But either way, I'm sure it'll be entertaining. Thanks everyone for listening. Stay classy Spurs fans and we'll see you next week. Here's Lucas Moura. Oh, they've done it! 